Is this episode 176? I think it's episode 176. Yep. Yeah. All right, Podflix, episode 176. I'm Nish. I'm Paul. I'm Willie. All right. Here we go. Back at it, guys. Should I just do the whole thing in this voice with this kind of energy? I think I'll kill myself if I do it like this. I have no idea. I have no fucking clue. This is like radio talk show smoker Ron Bennington. Yeah, exactly. I'm like the I'm, I'm, the real I'm, Alex Jones energy. Yeah, I was going oh. for like sports talk radio being like the douchier of the two guys on sports talk radio. Uh, like whoever that is, you know, there's always a douchey guy and a douchier guy. And I'm the douchier is guy. Is it Stephen A or Max? But they're both kind of. Well, it's both, always. I mean, Stephen A is obviously the douchier guy, but that's just because he's Stephen A. The, the douchier guy is always always has the regular name. You know, it's like. Frank and the weasel, and like the weasel is right. kind of actually the normal guy, and, right. and Frank is always the big douchebag. That's right, Mike yeah, and the right. Mad Dog. Mike and the Mad Dog fits. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Oh my goodness. Okay, enough about sports talk radio. We we watched a sports talk radio movie this time. No, we didn't. I don't even know if there is a sports talk radio movie. Is there one that you guys know of? Probably. I know I know sports of? No. talk radio. I mean, I'm sure there is, right? I'm sure and there, there is. There's probably an obvious one, which our listeners listener. Will tell us about. Um, <laughs> you can email us at. <laughs> that's right. Talk to Podflakes at gmail.com. Let us know what sports talk movie we missed. It's a good the, movie, the movie we did watch was The Suicide Squad, not to be confused with Suicide Squad. Uh, the Suicide Squad is, of course, the uh, movie about the Suicide Squad that just came out in, in this year, 2021. Hey, real quick. You're yes. going to tell us what the, I hope I watched the right movie. You're going to tell us what this is about, right? And, and then am. I'll tell you if I saw the right one. <laughs> I hope you did. Let's put it this way, Willie. Did your movie John have... Cena's in the, John yeah. Cena's in it? Yes. You watched okay. the right movie. <laughs> I was, was going to ask if your movie had the Joker in it. No. If it did, not the right movie. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, so wait, which one did I saw a Suicide Squad? I saw Suicide Squad. You saw the saw Suicide Squad. The, 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 the Suicide Squad. The the original prequel, I guess, to whatever you want to say. This is this is a sequel of sorts to the original, which was just called Suicide Squad and came out in I didn't look this up. Twenty sixteen, I believe so. And that I mean, one was you bad, say of, right? Of sorts. Um, wait, Will Smith's in that one? Yeah, yes, Will, Will Smith's Smith. in that one. It's 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 a sequel in that it is supposed to be the same general idea. It has sort of the same actors in the higher up roles, meaning basically Viola Davis playing Amanda Waller and Joel Kinnaman playing Rick Flagg. That's about it. And, then, the and, 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 and there are a couple of other people who repeat their parts, the most notably being Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. Yeah, that's pretty notable. <laughs> yeah, it, it is notable. Yeah. But but I mean, come on. What, what are they going to do? Put somebody else's Harley Quinn? Give me a break. Well, don't forget Captain Boomerang. That's true. That's true. We'll talk about that. That That is interesting that he came back for his role. Jay, uh, Jay Courtney or Jake. Is he Jay or Jai? I have no idea. I don't know. I've never heard it said. Yes. We know him well from Terminator Genesis, our favorite film. We <laughs> know. <laughs> Anyway, those Suicide Squad, um, it is part of the DC Extended Universe, um, our, our second, f- third, our third foray into the DC Extended Universe, 
uh, in the last year or so. We did Wonder Woman 1984 and we did the Zack Snyder Justice League. And now we're here for the Suicide Squad. Um, this was directed by James Gunn, who uh, did uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Um, and basically the plot of the Suicide Squad. So for anyone who doesn't know what Suicide Squad is, this is from the DC comic books. And it's basically a... Um, task force of sorts that's put together by the government that consists of villains from the comic books, you know, like, like, like the DC villains, but usually kind of the lesser known ones. Like it's like, you're not going to see, you know, like your favorite big time villains usually in suicide squad. And it is basically what it sounds like there. These are people who are in prison and they get offered the chance to basically like go on a mission and help the country. And, and in return, they'll get some years knocked off their sentence. Um, and the whole idea, but the reason they're called Suicide Squad is because they're obviously very ex- one. It's because they're obviously very expendable because, you know, government doesn't care if they die. They were just villains anyway. And two, because um, the general conceit is that if they if at any point during the mission, they basically go rogue, then they have these devices implanted in their uh, in their heads that will that the government, you know, their overseers can just press and their heads will explode. Um, and that is a plot As point of sorts in, in both Suicide Squad movies. It's at least noted at one point in each movie so that you know it's a thing. So in this movie, um, the the goal, I guess, uh, the, the mission that the uh, Suicide Squad is put on is um, basically infiltrating the fictional country of Corto Maltese. Um which um, you guys remember Cordo Maltese, right? Yeah, from the 1989 Batman movie. Right? Absolutely, yes. Yes. Yep. The 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 pictures, uh, the the horrible war atrocity pictures that Vicky Vale took and like had won a Pulitzer for. Cordo Maltese. Oh, I was I was happy geez. to see it. I'm I'm sure this is like a DC thing where it's like a regular country they always talk about in DC comics, but I know little about DC comics, so I only know it for the 1989 Batman movie. Anyway, they're supposed to infiltrate this con- this country, which is like in Central America or South America or something like that, and um, basically go to a secret lab and um, wipe out all evidence of the secret project called Project Starfish that's going on there. That's what they're tasked with doing. Um, and there are actually two teams which don't even know about the existence of each other that are tasked to kind of do something in Cordo Maltese and all sorts of crap ensues. Things go very, very wrong kind of right off the bat. Um, and, uh, the suicide squad kind of lives up to its name in terms of, in terms of a lot of people die very early in the movie. Um, and then things take a turn, which we'll talk about as we go in. Um, the, the, you know, as, as, as most of these movies happen, the, uh, the mission they're on turns out to be not nearly as straightforward as it sounds. So with that, let's talk about uh, some parts of this movie. So I guess let's start real quick. Did y'all see the first one? Yes. I see a while ago though, a a long time ago. I I don't remember it very well. I'll say that. Me neither. It it is a, now that's a movie that like you see in like, a, a week later, I was like, I don't remember anything that happened in that movie. I didn't see it. Completely I was agree. wondering, do you mind if I hijack the first question? Go for it. Okay. So um, do they set it up in the same way? Like, this is like, oh, here's the team. We're going to introduce the team. We're going to get to know some things. And then some stuff happens, right? 
Do they do that in the first movie? And if so, does it feel a little redundant diving in in this way? They 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 introduce it much more efficiently in this movie. I would say it's it's done. I think a little quicker, it, like right off the bat and sort of like while stuff is going on, kind of. I don't know. What do you think, Paul? Yeah, I think that's true. Like because I think my memory is of the first one. It was kind of like the first iteration of the suicide yeah, squad so they're like kind of too. coming up with the idea and then doing it and i think there's a bit of amanda waller like having to convince whomever to like let me do this this is a good idea and in this movie it's just like no this is a thing that's been going on for a while um and and they're also like set up in the first movie if i remember correctly like they're set up for a specific mission like like it's not like oh we have this idea like like, like paul said like it's not like we have this idea of a suicide squad and we just use them to do these missions we want to do. It's more like there there's a bad guy in the first movie enchantress and like they're oh, working yeah. with, they're working with her and then she double crosses them and wants to take over the world. And I feel like the suicide squad is formed in response to that specific threat. Whatever the way they set this up plays, I think like they don't need a lot of backstory on, uh, on like how this thing was formed and why it was necessary. Like you, you can wrap your head around it in three seconds flat. And I actually love the way they kicked the movie off. Let's, let's actually go with that too. The, the kicking the movie off. Cause I wasn't sure what to ask about first. And maybe that's the way to, to go because um, this movie starts with a bit of like, not, it's not shocking or anything, but like some misdirection definitely, because it starts basically with a team and sort of a point of view character, which is basically savant played by Michael Rooker. Um, and goes with the one team and then that team basically just completely gets blown to smithereens and it turns out that basically the the main team that we watch for most of the movie is the other team um for the for the for the most part with a couple of uh characters the exception of a couple characters who make it out alive uh, out of the beginning but so right off the top you get to meet you get to meet a few people and then within 10 minutes they're almost all dead and dead in pretty gruesome ways yeah. I was just like, my, this guy's the main character? Like, I know this guy. I was like, what do I know this guy? Shawshank Redemption? Like, what do I know this guy from? Oh, and no like, way. I see that song Walker, I, was like, <laughs> I was like, this guy's not going to make the opening credits. I was like, he is just, this is this is like the James Gunn cameo. Like, he's going to get fucking killed. Right. I, I, I mean, I kind of thought that too because it was, because it was Michael Rooker. And also I figured it's like, well, I know who's in this movie. And I don't think Michael Rooker is going to be our like real entry point for real. And and like you said, like they work together, you know, a lot. Like he's he's Yandu and the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, so it kind of fit that way. But but I didn't realize that it was going to be, you know, basically that we were just going to see like five people or six people like die like pretty quickly, like right off the bat. I thought it was funny as fuck. What was the um, mole? Whatever the, the, the weasel the rat guy. <laughs> that, <laughs> weasel guy. That was great. When he, when he just like, first of all, his whole aesthetic is kind of hilarious. Um, <laughs> I saw on uh, when when I looked it up a little bit, I saw that the intent was to make him similar to Bill the Cat from the Bloom County uh, comic strip. If you if you remember that at all, growing up, but right. if if you ever looked up Bill the Cat or anything like that, it's it, yeah, it looks like looks like weasel and as much as he has these bulging eyes and like doesn't say much um but yeah that part i thought was pretty hilarious right off the top i also thought the reveal of of who of that tdk stands for the detachable kid with uh <laughs> was, was it was nathan fillion nathan fillion's character um who i didn't fucking recognize 
Yeah, me neither. He used like kind of a weird, like he used like a different voice for half of it. And then there was one, there were a couple of things he said where it's like, oh, he sounds like Nathan Fillion here. But yeah, you don't ever really see his face. So you wouldn't really know. But um, but yeah, it was one funny when he like detaches his arms and two funny that all his arms do are just kind of slap guys around. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I, I agree. I, I thought that was a really fun way for it to open. It also set the tone for the movie in general in as much as like this is a like this is a pretty gruesome movie uh, in a lot of ways, but it's gruesome in like. So like so James Gunn, before he became like a mainstream director in any way, he directed trauma films. So like Toxic Avenger kind of shit. And I felt like the aesthetic of this movie fits that very well. Like it has that like kind of low budget. It's not low budget at all, but it has that that low budget feel of like like some of the uh, like people getting ripped apart. And like, you know, I, I it was pretty satisfying to see. Pete Davidson get shot in the face and his face just completely just, just turned into mush. That took me off guard. Yeah. I was like, oh, Pete Davidson, he'll be around for a while. Nope. And nope. Not, not at all. First guy to bite it. So, Paul, your thoughts about the opening? Um, Yeah, I I, 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 I I, mostly liked it. I was like, oh, there, and like, like I said, I was expecting, I was expecting Michael Rooker to, to get killed off pretty quickly. Um, um, I was not expecting him to be like totally like uh, 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 to totally shit his pants and run away, yeah, just like run the other way. <laughs> um, but um, it, it, like it, it did, it surprised me. Like when they started like just kind of killing people off willy nilly, um, especially because I guess the and the thing that worked was you know seeing Joel Kinnerman and Margot Robbie in in the the loser team. <laughs> right um as it were and that's that's what like made it that's what made it surprise me right it was like oh these are i know who these people are and it's like wait a minute they're all getting killed like what's going to happen here um so that yeah that aspect it it worked yeah that mostly worked for me yeah and 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 that kind of gets to the other person who's a member of that team who is a repeat as we mentioned is is fuck jay courtney jay courtney as captain boomerang uh from the first film and that legitimately surprised me because it was like he is dead within five minutes just like everybody else and it was like huh he came back for a role where he was you know one of the main not main main guys but like he was he had a decent amount of screen time in the original suicide squad and he came back just for a cameo where he totally bites the dust like pretty early on and so that was that was kind of surprising to me um i I dug that i respect that. i I like that i yeah i was i was it it made me like him more I, i have to admit Let's um, commit to Jay. I have no reason why. Let's just commit to it, though. Well, we're probably it. done talking about him. So, yeah, exactly. He's <laughs> sir, not appearing in the rest of this movie. Um, <clears throat> so then we will switch. We switch over to the other team uh, at this point, who is kind of our main team. So let's talk about them a little bit. Um, let's actually talk about Idris Elba for a little bit, who who actually is kind of our main character, as far as there is a main character in in the film, uh, Bloodsport the leader of the second team, the, the team that we follow through the movie, basically. Um, I always like Idris Elba. I personally thought like he didn't like, he was very much the straight man of this movie. Like, like it was kind of like, you know, like he didn't make much of an impression except to kind of drive the plot along a little bit where it needed to, to happen. Mm-hmm. I liked his suit that he could like pull off pieces and like build weapons out of them. Yes. And, like, I like that. 
I actually thought they underplayed that a little bit because I didn't. It took me a while to figure out what the fuck was going on. Like I thought you he can, had guns that just kind of built themselves or something. Like I didn't really know what was going on. And then at the end, right? It was the end. Yeah, it was the end where you could really see it when he makes that really big gun. Yeah, I was like, oh, that's really cool. Like I wish they had. Uh, so that aspect I like. But you're right. Like he's mostly. I mean, I don't know. He's mostly playing an interest Elba character, <laughs> like in a movie <laughs> yeah. like this, like. I don't know what to say. Like he's playing like he's playing a, like a little bit of his Pacific Rim character and like a little bit of um yeah, fuck, I can't remember who else, but like he's he's Let's oh, go with Luther. Luther. No, I, I was yeah. gonna say he's playing a little bit of his like Hobbs and Shaw character too, like um sure. kind of mixed together. And it's like, yeah, I like that. Yeah. I mean you need someone to be a straight man in there because the other cause the entire rest of the team is kind of wacky in various ways. <clears throat> I thought it was great. Um, To me, the dynamic between he and John Cena basically just makes the movie. Without those two, with two other actors playing it two different ways, this movie might be kind of dumb. By the way, my favorite character was Harley Quinn in the whole movie, but like the two of them, I think, make this thing work. Yeah, I mean, I I do feel like um, like a decent chunk of like, you know, the the middle parts of the movie where it's like this team doing stuff have a fair amount to do with, like you said, like John Cena, you know, kind of playing off of, of, of Idris Elba uh, a little bit. And that, that I think works really well. So two things with John Cena, right? Like he is, um, they're going to make, yeah, he is, he is. They're going to make a, uh, they're, they're doing a series with him. I believe that's going to be on HBO max next year. Yeah, like a peacemaker series. So I think that's what they were like. There, there's an end credit scene, basically, you know, where they they show he's still alive because he seems to be dead after Idris Elba shoots him, um, but he's still alive. And I think that's what they're setting up with that is basically they're the series they're going to be doing, um, which seems like a good idea. Bet definitely better idea than making a movie. I think he he fits well for a series, in my opinion, more than yeah, you would on a movie. I don't know. I I have to say, like, I I bounced off his character really hard. And really you didn't yeah. think he was funny no i thought he was like um i thought he was too like maybe it was satire at some point but at this point like that kind of character is too close to like a real type person or at least someone who would talk like that um and think like that that it just like i was just like this isn't funny like this I, is like fucked up like right I, don't- I, I i definitely think that's what they were going for a little bit so i so i read a thing where like when when they were like reading like doing table reads and stuff like that, that James Gunn basically told John Cena, he's like, you are a broy, douchey Captain America. He's like, that's that, like, that's how I want you to play this. Like you're like Captain America, but like a total broy douche. But in a way, like <laughs> I, I, I would have liked it more. I feel like they, this is going to sound bonkers. I realize, but I'm going to say it anyway. Like, <laughs> I feel like they kind of didn't take his character far enough. Like he, I know, like, I, I, I get what you mean where, where it's like, if it's going to be satire, you want it to really feel kooky a little bit. And and I, it sounds like your issue is that it's like, yeah, that's like, there are real people like that. And yeah, and I mean, it's not, you don't have to look too hard to find someone who's like, yeah, fuck. I love America. And, and I'll kill as many people as I need. Right. To, which to he like basically says that, something like, like, yeah, yeah it's just like, it's like, Jesus, this, I don't see I don't to like me. It was like, they, he told them be captain America as if it was played by Mark Wahlberg. Parts of it, yeah. I, I would say that's like, what he felt like. I, I would he say like, like half his lines were were quite funny and like ridiculous, 
And then half his lines were kind of what Paul's saying, where it was like a little like like nightmare dystopia version of like Captain America. Well, kind it was of the thing. heel turn thing, right? When he's right. like, I need the I need the hard drive. Right, right, like, right, right. But even leading into uh, that, like right. he says, I know you got to do this, but like, come on. Yeah. Like he says that Liberty thing or whatever the thing Paul was saying bef- even before that. And like sure. those kinds of things are a little like, yeah, but like, yeah. yeah, there are other other things I think he are, are pretty funny that it, that he says as well so it kind of it kind of goes back and forth a little bit so the the team is filled out i'm trying to think if i'm forgetting anybody and i don't polka think dot i am guy. but polka dot guy right so polka dot man who's played by uh how do you say his uh, name <laughs> <laughs> i just gotta see his name yeah david dasmalchian um oh, nicely done yep and uh rat cat rat catcher oh. two played by daniela daniela melchior and uh and then of course King Shark, who is voiced by Sylvester Stallone. I didn't um, know that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's Which, great. Yeah. I mean, if you go back and listen, it is so oh, obviously. Yeah. Now, now that you know, <laughs> it is so obviously Sylvester Stallone. Um, so let's uh, let's take them really quick one at a time. We, we might as well spend a little time on these three because they actually have a fair amount of time in the movie. I was so happy to see David Desmalchian's character, like Polka Dot Man, not be a person who I assumed his character would be before the before the thing started when I just knew that, oh, he's in the movie and he plays Polka Dot Man. I just figured he'd be a cannon fodder guy in the beginning. And I was very mm-hmm. happy to see that they actually like made a real character for him. Um, and I liked his character a lot. I, I felt like I liked that he had an arc. I felt like it made sense that he died in the end because he had kind of gone through that arc uh, a little bit. And I really felt like the energy he brings to roles. I felt like what they did with the character fit like his energy a lot as an actor, like this, like kind of desperate loser, like slightly unhinged kind of thing as well. He's, he's a guy I like a lot, even though he's just barely in things. I always like, he's one of my favorite, like non main parts of the dark Knight. Like as that just like crazy guy who like Harvey Dent, like tries to like beat the shit out of. Does that person become polka dot man? No, no, no. They're, 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 could, it's it's a fair question since they're both DC movies, but no. <laughs> There's something they do with po- Polka Dot Man that, um, and I don't know if I'm a James Gunn fan or not. Like, I don't think I have enough experience, so I don't like pursue it. But I, but I want to give him credit that this was. I guess it's his decision where um, he does a couple of tricks visually with you. Like um, Polka Dot Man says, like, "Oh, I see. Where's your?" What, say where's your mom now and he says everywhere and then every time you see things from his perspective like everybody's head is his mom his mom yeah but they, it, they, they do that a couple of different ways like even with the um the credit sequences or like this is what's going to happen in the mission i thought there was a very clever way of setting up or showing somebody's like setting up a scene or showing somebody's perspective and i i love the way they did that yeah I, I, he them i don't know I don't, I don't know who who made that choice whether it be james gunn or somebody on the steam right right so let me let me let me give i should have probably done this at the beginning but let me give my quick overall thesis on this movie because it's going to kind of frame like the rest of my comments on it but like sure i'm not the biggest james gunn fan i don't really like the guardians of the galaxy movies um and i know like people fucking go bonkers for them they just they don't do it for me um and this movie felt like james gunn completely unrestrained uh, i don't know if that's true or not but that was like the impression that i got it was just like that dc was just like do whatever the fuck you want and we're not gonna stop you I, w- I, w- I would agree um and i think 
what that means is there's like ideas that I liked and there were moments that I liked, but there, there's a, a lot of it was too much of everything um, for me in a lot of ways. Like, um, and, but one of the things that I did really like was taking these guys and just being like, yep, they got like weird ass powers um, and they just kind of do and they're kind of wacky and, and bizarre and don't make a lot of sense, but whatever, like we're making a comic book movie with these guys. Um, and like polka dot man is kind of like the ultimate version of that. Right. Right. Um, and they just kind of did it and like, eh, it worked. It like, it, it totally worked. Like as a character, I agree with you, Nish, that like he is a character who like, who the way they played him anyway, like he totally had to like bite it at the end. And, um, it is like, and there kind of wasn't enough there for him to like keep showing up in more movies anyway. Like even if they make more of these movies, it's like, yeah, they kind of like, he's kind of a one note. Yes, dude in a lot definitely. of ways um but i like the way they played him so I yeah thought that, i thought that's yeah and he's and he's very memorable like both in terms both visually and in terms of kind of like how he is in the film and it and it felt like they set him up like when i when when he was going through it and especially like when like in the middle of the night when he's got like all the shit like pulsing all over him and he has to like go release it in the woods or whatever so that he doesn't like get engulfed by them like he reminded me of like there is um well, there are a few things, but like the thing you reminded me of is like the it's like the Simpsons, I think, Treehouse of Horror, is it like the one where it's like the Harry Potter one where like Bart turns like somebody into like I forget what it is. It's like turns like the frog tries to turn the frog into the human and it's like this half frog, half human thing. Oh, it's yeah. like, please kill me. <laughs> like it's like, <laughs> And like, I feel like that's how he is a little bit like he's a little bit like I am like in agony all the time. Like this is a horrible existence. Like he more or less says that. And that's why it's like when he dies at the end, it feels like it's like good for him. Like it's like he like had kind of a heroic thing and he gets to die. Like it, like, like what he said early in the movie, he says something like, like uh, Idris Elba says like, we're all going to die. And like, he's like, I hope so. And like, and like, it's like that made more sense as the movie went on where it was just like, it wasn't just a silly line. It's like, I think he really actually hopes he dies. So I'm going to ask a question about the way his powers work. Only because they bothered to explain it. Um, and so so he's got to get these dots out of him. So what the fuck is he doing with those gauntlets on his arms? Are they like cutting him and like letting them out? Like he's, like they show him like manually opening vents on his arms to like let these things out. Yeah, I have no idea. It's a good question. Like is it is there something are they like tapped into his like veins or something? Who knows? Right, because they're like yeah. they're inside of him. He has to puke them up if he doesn't like use them or whatever. Like it's right, weird. right. Yeah, yeah, it's a good question. Is it like Wolverine and his claws, except he doesn't have a healing like factor? I did like that scene of of him puking them up, by the way, and you can just like see the rainbows going off. Yeah, <laughs> like it was. I thought that was really funny. It was, uh, it was great. All right, we, we, we we're not going to go through every single character or anything, but we'll go through the last two really quickly. You, got, you forgot the, about Milton. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Who, who's wait? Milton? There was somebody named Milton. <laughs> I think I would have known if there was somebody named Milton, Milton in this movie. Yeah. That was great. That was a good gag. It was. I think it was made even better by the fact that she then called Idris Elba Milton at the end. <laughs> She's like, we just talked about it. And your name was Milton. She, she has. A, she has. All right, let's talk about Margot Robbie for a second. Yeah, sure. She, let's do that. Like she has. A, I think she has a really excellent take of like what is awesome about Harley Quinn, and. <laughs> Like she, she plays that character really well. I, I'll admit, I did not see the movie with the ex- incredibly long name. I've seen it. Um, 
And, yeah. But I, but, birds, I, but we, I, we, we can just call it birds of prey since that's there you go. the main part of it. Yeah. Um, but, but I really like the way she plays that character. I, I thought this was the movie of, I, I thought this was the movie that she's been in with Harley Quinn that best captured. Like the, this felt like the one, like it's another thing I'll give James Gunn credit for the screenwriters, whoever else wrote it or whatever. But this one was the first one where they felt, it felt like they got like what's great about Harley Quinn. I think Margot Robbie gets it, but like, you know, she also has to deal with whatever dialogues given to her to some extent. And mm-hmm. I felt like this one hit it better in my opinion, in terms of like, there was much less of the overt, like, sexuality thing where like she's being objectified and much more of just like the loony energy that 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 she has just like the complete like psychotic and sympathetic at the same time kind of thing she has going right and the way she like talks through what she's gonna do and yes and and like and and you can see how it makes sense to her even though it's like like which like the the the, the weird thing about one of the weird things about this movie is the way it, like it almost introduces the bad guy like eight times and then doesn't. Um, but like the way like the first president is like dealt with in the movie, like I did not see that coming. I was like, no, oh, finally, like here's we finally have the bad guy of the movie. And it's just like, nope, we're just going to fucking kill him. Like within like five minutes of meeting him, like the end. Right. Yeah, um, absolutely. I, I that that whole sequence like side plot i guess so to speak right the 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 side mission which is harley quinn getting captured and then like getting romanced by the president and then killing him and then having to escape like or getting captured and tortured and then escaping i i guess i should say um like there's a part of me that like feels like that whole part was like a little bit unnecessary so a little bit cuz it's like in the end it all amounts to like one big like nothing kind of in terms of the overall plot but it it gives you a few mo- like it gives you a lot more time with her, which I think is great. And that the scene you're talking about is really good, I think, and, and kind of was not what I was expecting. Um, and then the breakout scene is is fun. I, I wondered with the breakout scene, meaning the scene where she's attacking all the people and with the javelin and all that. Um, mm. They do the thing with the flowers as it goes through where basically flower she's basically from her point of view i guess to some extent like flowers are spurting out of their wounds and all that and i wonder because of the javelin the javelin is what initiates the flowers i was wondering if um if any of that was like i get it at it as a as a choice but i also wondered if any of it was due to like like the similar thing of like the end of kill bill going black and white to avoid like a, a worse like a a more restrictive rating because it is pretty you know she's slicing people up in that scene like pretty hardcore if if there was right. act, if, they, if that was all actually blood it would be a lot of blood right and they had like <laughs> they had set the tone for the movie so if they dialed it back in that scene it would have seemed weird so they kind of had to do something else right yeah yeah yeah, yeah so i can see that yeah i was curious Clever. about that i liked it i liked it too i liked it too yeah it was a good it was a good way to do it i thought because it still fit uh her a lot yeah, it felt like it felt like a scene that was just like they're like they're like Margot Robbie we wants you to be in this movie, and she's like, I need a little bit more to do if you're gonna like put right. me in this movie. Like, okay, like here's a little bit more for you to do. Right? Maybe it's not that. I'm not saying like you know whatever, but it could I, be. I actually really like that part of the movie, so I don't. I, I'm glad they kept it. But yeah, yeah, and and the other way around, it could have also been like the writers also being like, if we're gonna have Margot Robbie in this movie, like it's like she's kind of out of all these things, like the, the one who like we can actually bank on a little bit, the one who people know and everybody pretty universally likes her take on Harley Quinn. 
like even going into this movie. So it was kind of like, well, we got to give her a showpiece. Like we can't have her in the movie and have people expecting to have her be a major part of the movie and then not have her be a major part. Like that'll not really work. And it's not a good use of like one of the best assets of the movie. So Ratcatcher two and King shark. Let's, let's talk about King shark first. (laughs) I mean, I don't know what there is to say. (laughs) Honestly. Um, Yeah. It's, you know, it 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 is it, it you know he's he's the uh he's the Groot of the movie right in in some ways except appropriately it's, it's, ridiculous character deployed at appropriately ridiculous moments and yeah i would uh, yeah i would agree with that that's it like i did like him having you can't really like paul said there's not like what do you say good or bad about it it's right, just like right. this is a ridiculous movie and he's the most maybe squad, he's maybe the most ridiculous part. Absolute ridiculous character, and there are moments of the movie that need absolute ridiculousness, and that's when you deploy the shark. Right? Yeah, I, I feel it like was that kind done of appropriately. I liked I his uh, I liked his fake mustache disguise. <laughs> he's a, he's a character like, I mean, you nailed it, Willie. Like he's got to be deployed. He's a character that like, mm, like if they make another sequel to this movie, which. I kind of don't think they would, but it, like if they make another sequel to this movie and like they gave it to another director, it's like, oh, let's put in a lot of King Shark. People like that. Right. That's and that would be, that would be the complete wrong thing to do. Yeah, yeah. They totally would be like, that's, you can't use them too much. Right. Yeah. Completely agreed. And then there's Ratcatcher too, who is like kind of the other sort of heart of this movie kind of, um, and had a, again, a bigger part than I would have expected. Um, I liked her yeah. as, as, I as mean, like just kind of a, someone I didn't oh. know at all. This was a, Daniela Melchior, this was her English English language debut, actually, when I looked her up. This is the character I connected with the least. Yeah. Would have been fine if Shark ate her. It was fine. (laughs) I I thought she was fine, but like she showed up and was like, all right, she's surviving this movie. Like it it was like, you know, she's um and like she I she played like an important but like not very interesting role. Yeah, I agree. That's that's the way that probably that I would put it. I mean, I mean, the best part of her. So I think she was put in like the main reason I think she was put in was for the sort of the father daughter relationship that she has with Idris Elba, like the surrogate father daughter relationship kind of that kind of triggers like why he stays sort of in the end and why he does kind of probably the best parts of what he does uh, in the end. Um, And I guess that's important. It's important narratively. Like you said, I don't know that it was terribly interesting. I also think that there are some people who need emotion in any film they watch of some point, some point. And I guess that kind of would be it in this film. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like I do. And I don't feel like that's really this kind of film. So, and, and it sounds like you guys feel the same way. Um, probably the best part of her character was three things. One, the fact that Taika Waititi was her dad in the flashbacks. Um, oh, I missed is, in the first, like, yeah. unrecognizable in, in the first couple of flashbacks. And yeah. then shows up. Yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. There yeah. he is. Right. Yeah. You can see him well in that in that last one where they're, like, on the top of the building or whatever, talking about, rat, like, why rats or whatever. Um, and then, you know, Sebastian the Rat was funny. I liked him. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I, I I liked him waving. That was that was the part I probably liked the most. Um, and then, you know, she's important, I guess, because... It, in the end, she's the one who basically kills uh, Star of the Conqueror in the end through having the rats eat, her, eat him from the inside. Yeah, I, yeah. 
See, I think Sebastian was a gag employed too often in this movie. That's fair. Uh, I can see that. They, they went to the rat well a little too much. I did think, okay, um, um, I did think to talk about the end for a moment because we're kind of jumping all around. Yeah, I sure. totally thought this was a movie where it's like the bad guy's not the bad guy, and we're gonna we're gonna like send him back to space and everything's gonna be fine because um, like he's gotten a bad he's had a bad rap too. Um, and nope, that's not what they do. <laughs> right, in this movie. right. Like the, there's, uh, there's a there's a bit of that a little bit where you can tell that he's like kind of been made to be this way to some extent by being tortured for thirty years or whatever. Right. But no, nope, he's very much bad. <laughs> Yep. No, they're just gonna they're just gonna kill him. Yeah, and he um so a couple things about him. Um I liked I so I read that James Gunn picked him to be the bad guy because he said, quote, something something along the lines of he is absolutely ridiculous and at the same time fucking terrifying when you think about what he does. And it was like, yeah, I, I guess that fits because it is a True. thing where it's like when you actually see what he does, or like you're in that lab down underneath, like before, and you see like the people with their like faces melted off and like the fact that it's like like when uh what's his name peter capaldi basically says he's like oh no like they're corpses like without this charge like they are dead um it's just like oh yeah that's kind of (laughs) horrifying like they're they're not just being mind controlled like they're very much like completely dead and just being dragged around by these stars on their faces by the way i looked into it and uh i would have thought not that this movie has been like some kind of like success that is like you know just with the world on fire or anything, but I'm surprised there is not some kind of filter that I can put on these things on my face to have a star show up on my, a starfish show up on my head. That feels like an obvious thing that they should have created. Um, but yeah, he was, uh, Oh, they, I think a, they rolled it out for uh, LinkedIn last week. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's where you'd want it. <laughs> right. Put it up, put it on my LinkedIn profile. I'm hiring. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that was it was kind of a Star of the Conqueror was kind of a batshit insane way to kind of go about it. The one thing I was disappointed in a little bit was I felt like they revealed him a scene too early, which is to say they have that video that um, the president, the new president of Corto Maltese watches with yeah. Peter Capaldi and they kind of show you what the deal is. And yep. I think it would have been better to not know that Project Starfish is actually a fucking gigantic starfish until they actually are in the lab until in the Jotunheim lab laboratory and like they actually see him like that would have been a better reveal I think to me I agree and they even uh, they even use that video twice in the movie right uh, right so yeah you're right like that that would have been better can we can we there's not too much to say but can we briefly talk about Peter Capaldi because yeah sure um um uh, you know I like probably a lot of Americans know him mostly from Doctor Who, Doctor Who. Yeah. and he is basically playing like the doctor in this movie where he's just like, I'm the smartest guy in the world. I'm gonna, uh, in the room right now. I'm going to talk really fast and say, a lot, and, and, and say a lot of stuff in a slightly condescending way, which, you know, believe me, I love him doing that. Right. Um, but Jesus, what is he doing in this movie? Yeah, um, it, it, do, it did seem kind of odd, I think, for him to for him to be in the movie it, like. I, I liked him being in the movie, but it seemed kind of unnecessary, which seems like a weird yeah. thing to say, because there's technically a whole bunch of things that are unnecessary in this. No, movie but and... like it is unnecessary insofar as like he is yet another time where you think you finally met the villain of the movie and then you haven't and he gets killed off. Right. 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 I mean, I guess uh, that's part of it is, you know, to continue having like, nope, not him either. Like. Until yeah, but the like other the two guys, villain. the other ones are no names. Right. And then you have right. 
like a recognizable guy in, in right. there. Uh, I did not recognize him. I thought he was good. Yeah. Oh, he is if good. You don't know who that guy. If you don't know who that guy is, and you're like, yeah, I knew he wasn't the bad guy right away. I knew he was part of whatever the bad guy's plan was. He was scary, though. It was scary that he was like super smart, kind of had some idea of what was going on. And then as soon as he got ripped up, I was like, oh, boy, now nobody knows what's going on. Yeah, I did think it was a little interesting to have it be like kind of that. I mean, I I thought in the beginning, not in the beginning, but like when they first meet him and take him hostage or whatever, that was like, oh, he's a bad guy, but he's also like kind of the bad guy in charge of the lab. Like he's maybe not the like he's like a following orders kind of bad guy maybe in his own way or like or like kind of like the way like a like you'd have like a nazi scientist kind of guy who it's like he's just kind of gonna go with the flow and work for whatever is like expedient for him um oh that's funny i totally went the other way that he's like the bad guy who's like he is the mastermind who thinks the who the who who the other guys think they have under his thumb but turns out he has this other plan like all along which which would work yeah i I didn't think of it that way but i totally see that i did like the kind of reveal and it wasn't like a reveal reveal but like kind of the thing where it's like you realize that it's like oh like he has been horrible to this starfish guy and then like the starfish wants nothing more than to get well he wants more in the end afterwards but like the thing he wants most is to get revenge on him it's the thing he does first basically when he when he frees himself is grabs him and like you said just like whips him against the wall um and yeah I, i i kind of like that it's like oh that that makes sense his body just turned into fucking silly putty. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's talk about... There was one thing... I think you were alluding to this, Willie, but one thing I liked um, a fair amount, just as, just as a thing... I mean, they did it a lot, but I still liked it every time because it was a little different every time, was the setups of each scene where they would kind of show the the visual, you know, like three days ago or like whatever it was, and it would always be like a part of the scene. And it wouldn't go away either. Like there was like a thing like there's like one scene where it's like spelled in sticks on the floor on, on the jungle floor and then it moves up and you can still see the sticks and they're very much still set up in the in like the letters while people are like walking over them and stuff like that. I like those as, as they like kept going along. It was just like a fun little kind of visual thing that I, I like that feel uh, to it. it. It had this it was kind of inventive, but it also like it fit. I felt like the kind of like kind of loopy sort of unrestrained aesthetic a little bit that the mm-hmm. whole movie had. So I felt like that fit very well. Yeah. And it allowed you to hop around in time a little bit too. Yeah. Yeah. Which this very much needed to do. Um, let's there's one more. There are a couple more people I think that I want to talk about. It, it makes more sense to talk. Well, no, the two other people. I want so to talk many about, people in this movie. Right. But the two people I think we should talk about a little more are Joel Kinnaman and Viola Davis. So let's yeah. um, so let's talk about Rick Flagg. Uh, Joel Kinnaman's character, who is a repeat from the original Suicide Squad, one of the, one of the few. Um, I liked him a lot more in this than in the original. I, I will say that. Um, I, I didn't. Even, I thought he was recast. I thought it was like <laughs> a different Timothy guy, Oliphant or something like <laughs> yeah. like one of those other like like. Listen, I like Joel Kinnaman, but he's got a look that like a lot of guys in Hollywood have. So yeah. like like tall, I, I kinda, thin, thin, wiry kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I didn't even realize it was the same guy. Um, but, you know, since seeing that first movie, I've watched most of um, For All Mankind. So become a fan of his. Um, and I was super bummed that he didn't make it out of this movie yeah. alive. <laughs> I, I, I was too. I mean, he, he felt like the one like 
the one truly surprising death to me um, out of them. I, I mean, I guess there always has to be one, like, like if you're going to really make this movie one actual character uh, who dies kind of. But and he was the one basically like the one where it's like, oh, like that was actually a real person who like we had like committed like actual screen time to and everything throughout the movie. So, yeah, that, I, I agree. That was a bummer. Um, but I liked his portrayal on this. Like I, I, I liked the way that he, I don't know, he, he felt, I mean, he felt kind of heroic in a way that I wouldn't have expected. And it wasn't in a way that was jarring with the rest of the movie or anything. It just actually felt like he had morals in the end. Um, in, you know, and, and even though he's like, I feel like he's, less sleazy or something in the original i don't remember the original very well but i I do feel like i didn't get the same impression from him i I don't feel like he got quite the same chance to make the impression he does here so yeah my my impression of him in the in the first my memory i god i almost want to see it again because i feel like but don't do um, it i know um but i feel like in the first one he was just kind of like a glorified babysitter window dressing for them to like that's what i remember like the authority figure for them to like trample on right Right. and that's kind of what he was there for and this he was actually a character in this movie right um yeah and and they didn't trample all over him like they make clear like it's like he has a a definite working relationship with harley quinn and he has a past working relationship with with bloodsport as well um because they get they both make reference to that um and then Viola Davis is Amanda Waller again in this. And I really liked what they did with her character in this, which is basically they made her way more shitty in this movie than she was in the first one. Like the first one, she was kind of like, oh, like I'm willing to do whatever. But she wasn't an asshole. And I feel like in this movie, she is an asshole. Like she is much more villainous than any of the villains, basically. Yeah, I agree. I I, And I really liked her. Like I, I saw like how she could be, like good in this role in a way that like in the first movie like you kind of you kind of have to take it on faith a little bit right and in this one you're like oh, okay i got it now and i i'll admit i did i when it happened i thought they had killed her <laughs> and i thought that other woman was going to be like the new boss lady right, you know, like, right, of right. the department and i was actually a little disappointed that she that she ended up sticking around in the end yeah um, i i agree i mean i understand why i guess like yeah but yeah, I um, mean, but I, I also I also ended up I really liked all the techs back in the tech room. Um, yes, kind of like as a group and like they had a real they, uh, they had like a real especially in the beginning, I would say, like when they're like taking bets on who's going to like die or whatever. It had a real like cabin in the woods feel to it. Um, Like, you know, if like sort of like the behind the scenes folks like like kind of like like these guys are like going life and death and then these people are like kind of doing their own thing like sort of almost like treating it as a game in some ways less so later on, obviously as the, as the mission goes on. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. I, I like them a lot. I like that guy who plays like the warden, like the sort of like chubby guy with the beard who just seems like very overwhelmed at kind of at all times with whatever is going on. Uh, he was, he was kind of fun. Yeah, they did. They did a good job. I thought in this movie of kind of, you know, some of those other people, the other thing in the movie that didn't quite work for me, I would say was like, I felt like the whole little, it wasn't much of a subplot. It probably got like five minutes, but the whole subplot of like the rebel faction in mm-hmm. Cordo Maltese who like they kind of team up with and who eventually like takes over the government. 
I felt like that was eh, unnecessary. I mean, like, I guess they had to, like, maybe address, like, what is going to happen to the government, like, now that everyone has died. But, like, I kind of felt like it's like, eh, I don't need to, like, know, know these people or anything like that. I did like the scene where they infiltrate the camp and kill everybody only to find out that, like, they like kind of did it completely needlessly. Um, so let me say, so let me tell you, like that is the scene where this movie lost me. Um, really? I thought yeah, it was because funny. I, I fucking like. Uh, maybe I'm just tired of this or whatever, but I fucking hate this. Like, well, these people are like really terrible, but they're funny, so we like them, right? And like, they like I like the scene when it was going on. And then you get to the end and you find out like, oh, they killed all the good guys. Um, and then the leader is just like, yeah, okay. Like, it's like you killed all my people and like, like, well, you killed all, like everybody, but like, all right, I'll work with you guys. It's fine. Like, yeah, that part I, I don't like, quite get. I agree. I was like, all right, like, fuck you movie. Like this, like you're just like giving these guys the biggest fucking pass in the world. Right. Um, and that felt like bullshit to me. Right. I would I would I I totally see where you're coming from. I felt like the scene could have worked like like I feel like that scene would have worked fine if you had just done that and then not had the like had the leader get all go all bullshit on them and like run away or something like that. Yeah. And then just go without them. And and then just go without them, you know, like the whole time, like not have them be friends and like and have like Joel Kinnaman be like, guys, like what the fuck were you doing? And then like yeah, I can't believe you did that. Like he would obviously still continue working with them and that wouldn't be a weird thing. But I totally agree that it didn't really make sense that she would kind of mostly brush that off or at least right. or, or even just like swallow what she was feeling and be like, well, I'll work with you. Like uh, you right. feel like you'd be like you feel like those are like your brothers and sisters, like maybe literally in certain cases. Who knows? Yeah, the, the, the movie played it off like, oh, you guys just killed like a few dozen people right. that you didn't need to. Right, right. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, I I agree that that probably didn't really make sense. Um, anything else? Like, do you have anything about sort of other like production facets of this movie that you want to talk about in terms of like other ways that it was shot or you know things like that? Um, I mean, they went back to the they went to the like the I. I like because they do it in Guardians of the Galaxy, I feel like they went back to like the pop soundtrack well, like a few too many times for me in this movie. Yeah, um, I would agree with that. It did have better. One of the critiques, and I would totally agree with it, of the original Suicide Squad is that the needle drops were like the most obvious, like banal needle drops that you could imagine kind of thing. Mm-hmm. These were a little better. But yeah, I mean, like that that feels like very much a trope of James Gunn at this point, even though it's not like I've watched too many of his movies besides guardians of the galaxy, um, where it's like, Oh yeah. Like you're going to get like a lot of like seventies, like, you know, and, and early eighties, like soundtrack stuff. Um, yeah, and yeah, that was definitely the case here. Um, I don't mind it because I don't mind those songs, but yeah, I, I agree. It's like, it's like a movie away from starting to get very tired. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, I liked, you know, I definitely like the color palette. You know, it, it, it's a, it, it is a guardians of the galaxy ish color palette that he was using. I felt like in this one very much, but that's a step up from a lot of, uh, DC movies overall. So I, I prefer this. I mean, not all DC movies are dark at this point. Like, you know, Shazam wasn't, and the wonder woman movies really aren't. Um, but other stuff kind of is. So anytime a DC movie gets out of being super 
dark looking. I'll take it. Yeah, so totally. I, yeah. So I like that too. And I like the creature design for Starro. I felt like it was kind of, I, I felt like it looked cool. I liked the whole thing where he like kind of like spored out like little starfish out of like his armpit or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like that was kind of a cool little thing uh, that he did. It was, it was appropriately just kind of fucking weird, which is kind of what you want out of that, that character generally like and 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 that's the thing where it's like when i said like i wish they had revealed him later like like fully because it's like i do feel like it's like if you don't know that's coming and it's just you you think operation starfish is some code name when you learn it's actually a fucking giant starfish and that's the bad guy it's like that is an appropriately bonkers moment in a movie if you don't know it's coming and and i feel like they really run with that like it's he's this gigantic starfish with a giant eye in the middle in the middle that's looking around angrily and then like takes out these little starfish it's like it's so crazy um so i liked that i i really did like kind of how they how they did all that all right yeah, he was bon- he was bonkers he he worked for this kind of bonkers. for this kind of like, movie yeah yeah for for a movie with like a polka dot man in it like you right. need like something bonkers to right. go with it totally right. exactly um okay i think we're ready to slap some grades on this fucker um willie why don't we start with you this was definitely my favorite DC movie I've seen. You're saying you're, one I, you're I, saying I, of the DC EU, I assume, like like not counting yeah. like the old Batman movies and shit like that. Uh, yeah, no, no. from like from, from, from Man of Steel forward. Yeah, the question is like going forward: Can they? Is there enough success off this movie that they can start getting better directors? Remember when we watched? What did we watch, Paul? Was it the Wonder Woman movie? Was it the Snyderverse movie where you're like, I feel like there's a good movie in here somewhere with this cast of people. I thought this was a good movie. I enjoyed it. It was snappy. It was fast. It was funny. It was over the top. It was stupid. And um, I'd watch another movie with this cast again. But four but out of five. dead, so you're not going <laughs> to. Right. That's right. <laughs> four out of five. All right. Um, I'll go next. Um. I yeah, I like this movie quite a bit. Um, the one thing I'll say, like, and and kind of like I think a lot of the same things you do, Willie. I, I would say, like, you captured a lot of what I thought. Um I I do feel like it's like I don't know if this really shows any kind of way forward for DC. I feel like this is more of like a one-off. Like, I, I don't feel like they can keep making movies like this. Like this has a weird loopy energy that doesn't that kind of only fits for like this like suicide squad kind of thing, or maybe one or two other things. Like if they chose to make some other crazy you, they movie should because they're not like doing the Marvel thing. I don't, well I don't disagree. Fucking all. But it's like, so they should just be like, this is the loopy movie studio. And right. that's where you get your serious. But it, but it is a similar thing where it's like, you know, I, I, I don't know. I'm sure all the things I'm about to say, like have like tragic backstories and like there are people out there who are like, no, like they have to like be really serious or whatever. But it's like, you know, if they made a fucking like plastic man movie or something like it's like that could be loopy. Right. And like, or like, you know, like those like teams they have in DC, I'm sure they have them in Marvel too, that are like where everyone's like cats or something or like vegetables or like they have, they have some dumb, dumb shit in DC comics. And if they made movies about them, like, yeah, that's fine. It would fit, but it has to be like those kinds of things or like, or like a Solomon Grundy movie or something like, like just like these like crazy things where it's like, like, why did they make a, like, you know, why did they make this villain or why did they make like these, superheroes like they they are ridiculous on the face of it and like that's kind of i think where this kind of energy fits better um would that be the would that be the just cats league 
<laughs> it, it kind of fits. What, what, who am I actually thinking of? There, there's some, there's some group. I'll, I'll have to look it up later. There's definitely some group where it's like they're a bunch of animals. They're, you know, they're obviously from one of the other universes. Um, you know, Earth, Thundercats, Earth, Earth whatever. Um, yeah, yeah, the Thundercats. Um, I feel like it's like there's like a bunny and a dog or something, and like I don't know. I'll find out. Anyway, um, but I liked it. I, I, I felt like it was fun. I, you know, I think Paul has a real point and you'll probably mention this again of like it, a lot of this comes down to how you feel about like James Gunn and his aesthetic a little bit. Like if it's, if it's not your favorite thing, then, you know, this is definitely him. Like, I totally agree that this is like him completely unrestrained. Because like a lot of these characters, they didn't really care whether they lived or died. And so it was the thing where it's like, do whatever the fuck you want. Like, it's fine. Um, I like James Gunn a decent amount. Um, And so I felt like this worked for me really well. Um, So I'll also give it a four out of five. Um, Well, it's probably not a big surprise that I'm going to be a little bit different on this. Like, and I think like for me, like the biggest reason for that is like, it's hard for me just to, for whatever reason, like it's hard for me just to excuse like really terrible people, but like they're entertaining. So you should like, like them. And like, and I think the, the one scene that like encapsulates how I feel is like at the end, um, the first post or the, I don't know if it's actually a post credit scene or mid credit scene or whatever, when like the weasel character turns out like wakes up and alive and it's like, Oh, isn't that like entertaining and funny or whatever? And it's like, well, no, it's not fucking entertaining because the movie you went out of your way to point out to me that the weasel killed 27 children earlier. It's (laughs) like, I shouldn't be, I'm like, I'm like not happy to see that character still alive. Um, And I think that's, and I think that like sums up a lot of this is like, you know, like I, like, Maybe I'm being like whatever, but I'm just like, eh, I can't just like excuse like fucking shit people and like, but I'm supposed to root for them. So it's like fine. Um, so, and, and yeah, a lot of this movie, like if they had toned down like 20% of it, like I feel like it would have been a lot better. Like it's really long. Um, and there's a lot of characters. There's too many bad guys. Like there's a lot of side plots that don't, go anywhere because of that and um i feel like it could have been like reined in a little bit it would have been better but putting all that stuff together i don't know i think i probably give this movie a two and a half yeah two and a half out Mm. of five i did watch it in two sittings not because i wasn't enjoying it i just happened to fall asleep but maybe that's why i didn't feel like it was too long yeah Yeah, i watched it it's i think it's just over two and a half hours like it's pretty long yeah it's it's around two and a half i think yeah yeah, I watched it in one sitting, um, and it didn't feel too bad to me. But I could see. I mean, it is it is long, and I I don't disagree. I don't think the characters is actually an issue because most of all those characters die very early on, and so you don't actually well, spend a lot they of time. Do, but then like they give everybody like, oh, here's my moment where I'm going to tell you my backstory before mm-hmm. I get killed off. And right. Just, I, I I don't disagree. Right. I mean, I, I think we mentioned there are a couple things that I thought it's like, hey, this didn't need to be here. Um, or, you know, even a thing where it's like, I understand why this was here, but it kind of felt like it didn't need to be at the same time. Um, so, so yeah, I, I definitely get what you mean. All right. So before so we I go look forward, I look forward to the next sequel. I think and suicide squad and suicide next, squad. Right? Yeah. Uh, suicide squad. No, no, no. It's going to be Anne. believe me. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, my my Suicide Squad. We're just going with. I yeah I I am. As of now, <laughs> I am not interested in seeing a sequel to Su- to to this movie because I feel fairly sure that James Gunn won't direct it, and I don't know that I feel very. Uh-uh. Like I'm calling it now. There won't be another one, but there will be an Idris Elba spinoff movie. Yeah, well, like I said, there is going to be a Peacemaker series. Like that is very much announced and is going to happen next year. And I'll probably watch it. Yeah, at at least. Pass. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's fair. I understand. Especially you specifically said for it, that character was not your favorite. So. I was I was I felt like I was so I thought at the end uh, the, I thought it was um, the Joel Kinnaman character was still alive at the end. And then when I found out it wasn't him, that it was John Cena, I was so mad. I was like, that's not who I wanted to survive this movie. Yeah, I did very much like the their reaction that he was alive, <laughs> like like the the two texts where they're like, fuck, like it's like, you know, like. You know, like she, like this is her, this is like her revenge, Amanda Wall. Like they're setting us, like they're making us be with this douche, and then like, yeah, yeah. and then like the people are like, oh, I heard he was kind of a hero. It's like, oh, that's what you heard, huh? Because not so much. <laughs> <laughs> um. So there's one other thing I wanted to talk about, um, just because I figured we should talk about it if you guys have seen it, um, and that would be the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. So we won't excited. Yeah, we won't do a huge deep dive or anything. As as I, but it is it is the most viewed trailer ever. God, really? I, yes. I hope this movie's <laughs> good because this is like fucking catnip for me. Yeah, me too. Um, <laughs> You're a Spider Man guy, right, Paul? No, not really, actually. But like, but I, but like, yeah, I was, I was, I was made what's into what's a Spider Man guy by the first two Spider Man movies. Very much not the third, but. <laughs> But first two Toby movies. Yes, that's yeah. what I mean. <laughs> but like, I am, I am, I am down for this like crazy multiverse. Like, let's bring back all, like, bringing back those old characters. Like that, that works for me probably better than it should. Um, but it, that so stuff does get me excited. The trailer they put out, you only see Alfred Molina at the end of the trailer, right? Right. Yeah, but you also hear you the he- Willem. Dafoe. Yeah, you hear Willem Dafoe's laugh, and you see the pumpkin bomb. Yeah. There's another one that was. Like you, somebody who knows that it's actually you know, uh, somebody filming it. Either. Yeah, there was one that came out the day before that had like three quarters of the VFX was like wasn't done and shit like that. I I didn't bother looking at that because I was like, well, I think it's gonna come out eventually. They got Toby Maguire and Andrew Garfield in it. Yeah, I don't know if that's really gonna be real or not. Mm. I can't tell or who not. Knows? Yeah, I mean, at this point, I assume they're going to be in it in in like cameos, but. It also wouldn't surprise me if they're not, and that's just bullshit. The nice part about having them in the movie is really you got to show their face once, and then you put the mask on, and it's true. Yeah, they're all CG it's from true. that point. One thing I really <laughs> liked about the reaction to the trailer is how much people love Alfred Molina's Doc Ock. Like people Surprised went ape shit for him, and I love it because I love Alfred Molina's Doc Ock. That is, after all this time and all these years probably still i mean i i still like the dark knight a lot i know i know paul at least feels a little differently all these years later but um other than that spider-man 2 might be my favorite superhero movie still like after all this time i think it's just wow. so fucking good spider-man 2 do they do they de-age alfred molina in that trailer a bit like he can't 
I mean, he looked great. He like, did look great. I saw a side by side. He looks different a little bit. So it's not they didn't totally de-age him to how he looked in Spider-Man 2. But they might have done something. I don't really I haven't seen him recently. I don't know what he looks like. Have you so. guys seen into the Spider-Verse yet? Oh, yeah. Have you? I actually, oh. ha- I actually haven't seen it yet. No. You gotta oh, see it. I gotta see it. I gotta see it. It's so fucking good. <laughs> yeah, it's one of the best. I think it's one of the best superhero movies out. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. I kind of, I forget about it sometimes, like as a superhero movie, but it's, it's really fucking good. I think a lot of the themes in that movie will come into this movie. Probably, I could see that. I, I could see that. Yeah, I could yeah. see that too. Um, yeah, I was, I was thinking about like. You know, are they going to introduce like a Miles Morales character? But I feel like they're not because I feel like they're waiting for like the the next Spider, like who are they going to cast next? Right? Yeah. Like they're holding him in their in their they're, back pocket. They're they're very clearly setting up like the Young Avengers for like I don't know years from now because like they're starting to get some of those characters into place. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like Miles, like I don't know if Miles Morales is actually part of the Young Avengers or anything like that because I don't know enough about it. But I feel like around that time would maybe be when they would actually put him into the MCU or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's very interesting to me. I mean, you know, as as interesting as this kind of shit is um, to like kind of see like how the MCU is trying to figure out like what their post Iron Man Captain America world looks like, like like what mm-hmm. they're kind of like starting to pivot to like there's the immediate like what do we do right now but there clearly is like a plan that they kind of have as to like where are we going in like four or five years with all this it's risky man yeah like right now they could really fuck it up with all this multiverse time travel bullshit yeah no absolutely really if they fuck it up they could just hard reset and just kind of go back like they did with the x-men like they do with like like they do in comic books basically Right, yeah. or they'll just yeah. have to plow back forward, you know, and then they're gonna have to put a dump truck in front of Hugh Jackman to get him to be Wolverine again. Yeah, but it, but there is a thing I I do agree where it's like it is a hard, I I think it's a hard line to walk about like when you start getting into the crazy multiverse shenanigans, you'd need to like, I I do think that in some level you need to still keep it like at least somewhat accessible to people like where people don't feel like I don't I'm know. lost where yeah, am I? exactly like like put it this way like Avengers Endgame like you're not you're not going to get everything in Avengers Endgame completely if you have not watched the other 21 movies or at least some of them but you could still go into it and like figure it out right like it, it's not going to be like you're not going to be like I have no idea what's going on you just might not get some of the things that other people are like hooting and hollering about but you're still going to get the gist but it's like if you if they keep going down this, like you don't want to get to a point where you have no fucking clue what's going on if you haven't seen anything because it's like all multiverse on top of multiverse and people coming back or you know all that kind of thing. Like I would love it, but like you know you you don't you don't want to just make movies for people who have only seen every little bit of stuff. Well, way, my that's... prediction is the second. I don't know what to call it. Like the second, like I don't know what to call it. Like the second big Avengers finale will be the end of like we'll be kind of closing off the multiverse again that would make sense um with like the kang the conqueror stuff and all that yeah, like yeah i don't know too very much about it but i could totally see that like they're gonna let things get a little batshit crazy right they're gonna pick out the parts they like and dump the rest i think that makes a lot of sense because they're introducing the multiverse here like so right like phases one two and three collectively right are kind of known as the infinity saga 
Like they kind of, yeah, that's what like e- even yeah. before they called them the Infinity Stones, they introduced the Tesseract very early on and like kind of moved from there. Like, and, and it's all about the Avengers forming and then the Infinity Stones slowly coming into being. And then like it ends with, you know, Thanos and like the aftermath. And like this one, it makes sense. Like, I don't know how many phases it will be, how many movies it'll go on. It obviously now includes the Disney Plus shows also. But like, you know, it makes sense that this would be like the multiverse saga kind of like this, this like whatever, whatever they're going to call it. But that's kind of what it'll be, especially since, like you said, like the big bad is basically King the Conqueror, whose whole deal is kind of multiverse shit. Yeah. And then there's the and there's this and then there's a Doctor Strange movie and all the Scarlet Witch stuff like it's all like. Right, right. It's all it's all kind of converging on that. Like the whole right, idea. and clearly, like this is not going to be their jam. Like it's not going to be like, oh, we're just multiverse crazy for the foreseeable future. Like they, they, they have some kind of plan here. Yeah, yeah, and and you just can't keep doing that. I think like it'll it'll get exhausting. And like they have movies set up which you know are not really going to be multiverse centric. Like you know, like like uh, like Black Widow wasn't obviously, even though that's set in the past. But like you know, like like there's the new. Black Panther movie, whenever that comes out, like that doesn't feel like it's going to be multiverse heavy. I don't think, um, I, you know, is, Dead, I, is Deadpool Marvel. Yes, it's well, it, it was Fox, which is now owned by Marvel. So up to this point, Deadpool is not part of the MCU. Now he can absolutely be part of the MCU in the future. Like they can very much bring him in. Going on. Imagine him showing up in a Spider-Man movie. I think they will absolutely bring him in in this. The, the X-Men, I'm a little less sure about whether they'll be part of like, I guess they will at some point, maybe in this saga, because they're not going to wait forever to do the X-Men. But I don't know that they're going to jump into it right away. They have plenty of stuff going on. Um, But like, it feels like Deadpool seems like a pretty good bet to be somewhere in these. Maybe not his own. Well, why not his own movie? The first two have been pretty successful. Um, By the way, it's real quick total different topic but um, that's fine read an article today with um robert rodriguez who was like boba fett the book of Bo- with book of boba fett yeah. comes out in december and he's like look if I, if i didn't believe this i would just say like look out for it in december he's like this is gonna blow your fucking mind it's that good did he did he do some of the directing on it like he did in because uh, yeah. he, he did that one episode of Mandalorian right the one with yeah the one where you first see Boba Fett as Boba Fett yeah yeah, yeah. cool that's awesome yeah I so, I, I forgot December. that that's that coming. gets me pumped up and yeah the article made it seem as if there's going to be a little more Luke Skywalker interesting that seems well we'll see we'll see we'll see what yeah. I think about that. You know, who knows? They did they did that well when when they did it for Mandalorian. So I, I suppose see also happen. I should send you this YouTube video. We can link to it in the show notes. Um, <laughs> no, we can't <laughs> just throw that out there. We sure <laughs> I just As say the person things, who right? writes the show notes. Let me assure you it will not be in there. <laughs> you don't what show notes. Exactly. <laughs> you used to write very thoughtful paragraphs. Now it's just like title posted. Um, I think it's the right way to go. Some dude was um, basically doing what's it called when you um, deep fakes? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So um, you know the traditional like the thought process of deep fakes was to um, like speak as if you were a different actor, right? right? But what he did was he took a deep fake of Mark Hamill and rep- he basically did a bunch of these where he replaced the the cg version of mark hamill at the end of mandalorian with mark hamill deep fake and it was just like so good and he made like 20 of these videos and um 
Lucasfilm hired him. They were like, dude, yeah, yeah, I saw you that. need to come work here. And the, like some of his videos are unbelievably good. And I think what's funny about that is I think people are all like, why didn't they just fucking deep fake Luke Skywalker? That would have been so much better. They but probably the fact, didn't think about it. Well, even if they did or not, the fact that they hired like this guy proves that like it's not just like a button you push that like, oh, this just like does it right. right. Like there's still skill and artistry involved here otherwise they wouldn't have need to hire this one guy who's like super good at it right? right they could have just been like yeah we'll just start doing that you know yeah um and like i feel like i feel like the the end of the mandalorian got flagged a lot online by people like you know who are just like well they should have just deep faked it and like that would have been better you know kind of a thing and it's like no it's still hard like um right, yeah it, no this guy gave you like 30 seconds but like i i watched the end of the Mandalorian again recently because I actually went through the Mandalorian with my kids um, and they liked it a lot. Um, oh, yeah. and, I, and I went through it and it's like, I like, it's not that bad. Yeah. Yeah. Th- that's one thing. I feel like it's like, it is in my opinion, so overblown what like the negative things that people said about the CGI there. It's not that bad at all. Like there's like one point that looks like a little janky, but not bad in any way. And parts of it look pretty fucking good. You know, in my yeah. opinion, like it's a little I, lifeless, you know, yeah, yeah, but it's 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 fine. It's it's I think it's really good. Um, And the other thing I thought with the Mandalorian, like. Maybe it was because I knew what was coming and I was watching it with my kids, but it hit me emotionally way more the second time than it did when I was watching it the first time. Um, Interesting. I thought Why? like watching it again, like that end sequence, that whole end sequence. I'm not talking about the Luke part. I'm really talking about like the end. When, uh, when 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 give him away when, when he has to say goodbye to Grogu, um, no. I felt like it's like I was watching it and I was just like, this is the most like emotional I think I've ever been watching Star Wars. Like like the point for me always like as as a kid and growing up and all that has been like the I love you I know sequence in in Empire was is it's partially the music too the music's so fucking good in that part, um, but like that was always the part that like hit me like emotionally for star Wars movies. But this one was like, it was rough. Like, I feel like Pedro Pascal sells the hell out of that. He's very good. Yeah. In everything. Even when he was a nut job in wonder. Woman. I was going to say even, even when he was Maxwell Lord, <laughs> that wasn't really his fault. Um, I feel like no. season, season three of that show is going to be very different. I feel like. Yes. Uh, yeah. It, it's going to be, it's going to be different. I mean, Thankfully, like you said, he's very good. And so I still very much want to watch it. But like without that connection, like kind of keeping you the whole time. I mean, I assume Grogu's going to be back at some point. I just don't know if it's going to be in season three. I think he'll just have his helmet off a lot more now. Yeah, probably. Right. Because he figures he. Like he, it kind of feels like when he did that, even though it was obviously like just for Grogu, it, it still was like a point where it's like he's coming to terms with the idea that he doesn't have to do this all the time. And, no, and, and maybe I, spending more time around the other Mandalorians will make him do that too more. Right. Like I like the notion that it's just, it's just like, ah, uh, nuts. Like I've been raised by like crazy cultists my whole life. And right. like kind of like dealing with that is, I think it's pretty interesting. Yeah. Guess I'd take this thing off. Yeah. And looking back into that, I like how this has just turned into a full on Mandalorian conversation. A thing that we already did an episode about. Well, dear <laughs> listeners, this is usually what we talk about when we stop recording. So right. Getting all the good. Right, right, right. Exactly. But like looking back on it, watching it again, I was really struck with how. Um, 
because like now I feel like I know a little more about some of the other characters than I did because I'd never watched and I still haven't watched a lot of it, but I had never watched like Clone Wars or Rebels or any of that stuff where else some of these characters come from uh, who, who are introduced, you know, people like Bo-Katan and Ahsoka, uh, Ahsoka Tano. But like, I feel like uh, what is it? It's like Dave Filoni, like he, they do such a good job of integrating those people into this show. Like, like it, it feels pretty. It feels relatively natural, like even though it's like like it's still the Star Wars way of like, of course, like this person knows that person and all that kind of stuff. But like they right. are people who all knew each other in the in those old series. So it doesn't it doesn't completely come out of nowhere. Um, and I feel like they look great, like 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 looking back like, you know, it's like if, if I were someone who knew that beforehand and was excited for Ahsoka Tano to be in the show and then saw Rosario Dawson in like that costume and everything, it's like she looks fucking fantastic. Like yeah, it's totally. like they, they they do a great job with all with all those characters. Same with Bo Katan, which makes maybe more sense because it's because Katie Sackoff voiced her as well. Um, right. Yeah, I just just let Dave Filoni keep making Star Wars stuff. Yeah, he makes really good Star Wars stuff. Yeah, and he does a really good job, I think, at least so far in the Mandalorian of like that line between like fan service and still like keeping it like integral to the plot. Like there's a thing where it's like all the people you wanted to be there, like there, like all these people. It's like, oh, like we get to see like Ahsoka Tana. We get to see like Boba Fett in the Boba Fett like armor again. Like we get to like there's a one point where Ahsoka Tano asks about Grand Admiral Thrawn. And then you're like, oh, he's going to be in something. You know, I assume in the Ahsoka Tano spinoff um, will be about that. And like and, and you know, and that made people excited that like, you know, that you're going to see like Ezra Bridger at some point as well. And it's like. But I feel like none of that felt just like, oh, we're just throwing like it. None of it felt like last season of Game of Thrones shit where it's like they're just throwing all kinds of stuff in because it's like they just want you to be excited. that Like, oh, this is happening. Like kind of right. thing. Like it actually all kind of fit the story at the same time. So anyway, it's my my thoughts on rewatch of Mandalorian since I don't Did watch you, any other sh- actual shows that I've never if you, watched. If you watch any of the Bad Batch. No, I haven't. Have you? I've seen the first two episodes. I don't super love it, but the thing that's I'm going to try to stick around for is it's actually telling the story of why the Empire stopped using clones. Which feels like um, a good story. That which feels like there could be something interesting there. That yeah. is another thing I really love about um, some of like what they do in The Mandalorian, and I think this is something that Dave Filoni is very good at is explaining certain inconsistencies like like i feel like that's like the inconsistency of the mandalorian of pedro pascal never taking off his helmet when you've seen mandalorians take off their helmets all the time in these other shows and i feel like that was a very good way to explain it and then like the same thing where it's like i thought that stormtroopers were all clones like how is finn a stormtrooper and like these other people like in the in the sequel trilogy and it's like okay well this is gonna explain it i guess why they stopped using clones yeah, I, I do like, yeah, they, they rather than pretending like the stuff a lot of people don't like about Star Wars doesn't exist, they, he does a good job of finding ways to integrate that and make it right, make a lot of sense, Yeah, which is hard. So, like, I respect that, that that's something super hard to do. Yeah, it is hard. And they, like I said, they do a really good job of it. I mean, I'll be honest, like, I never really, you know, there's a lot I don't like about the prequels, but like. I never really gave two shits about Django Fett, you know, and, and, and Timuera Morrison like it because like because I didn't like that whole plot. 
Like I didn't yeah. like Boba Fett being this whiny little kid and all that and all that shit. Like I didn't like any of that. And to make it to turn it around to a thing where it's like and, you know, and it made me think like as I became older, like I thought Boba Fett was cool when I was a kid, like everybody did. But like as I got older, there was a lot more of like, yeah, you never see him. He barely does anything. He has like two two. He has like three lines. And like the biggest thing you see him do is get shoved into the Sarlacc pit. Uh, so it's like, you know, like like what, what's the big deal, really? Um and, right. you know, they made him so fucking cool in this show. Like, they, they could completely reclaim him. And he's like, oh, like, he's he's like the shit. I can't wait to see this show that that is about him. Yeah, totally. So I'm down. Yeah. Good for them. All right. That's the end of Star Wars minute. Star Wars hour. <laughs> Star Wars 20 minutes. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. All right. So we already talked about where you can email us. You can email us at talk to podflix at gmail.com. Tell us about all those sports talk movies. That we missed. I can't wait to see. Can't wait to see all the emails we get from listener. Um, you could also tweet those uh, sports talk movies at us at at Podflix. And Paul oh, will I be think happy you to a respond. Topic that we're very unlikely to get anything. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to get. I don't want to hear anything else. The only sp- I'm, I'm trying to, to think of movies that even have sports talk in them. <laughs> Yeah, Sea Biscuit. Sea Biscuit. Yeah, you got the whole scene back and forth with Elizabeth Banks and no, not Elizabeth Banks. Um, what's his name? Uh, what the fuck is his name? It's the guy from the cooler. I can't wait to figure out who Willie confused Elizabeth Banks with. No, she was. She was in. No, she she, she is, played. Um, she is a dude's wife. She, she's the owner, right? She's she's Sea Biscuit's owner, or is that someone uh, else? Of. The dude is the owner. Yeah, but she's the and, one who like actually she, cares, right? She plays his second wife. No, he loves he loves the horse too. Oh right, uh, fucking Jeff Bridges, right? Yeah, yeah. I forgot, forgot Jeff Bridges. Was that's, that's when I say the dude. I, I don't mean that. Yeah, like as in that I, person. I, yeah, I, 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 mean, I realized that all of a sudden. <laughs> the dude. The dude. Um. Yeah, I thought like, of a movie. It's best not in show. Out sports. What? Best in show? I don't think that's well, that, that's where we're going with sports talk. We're getting we're getting close. Thing. Um, have you guys ever seen oh. Big Fan? It's a movie. Big fan. Yeah, it's a movie where Patton Oswalt is like an unhinged uh, Giants fan. No. Yeah, it's pretty good. I would I would I would oh, I would recommend I've, I've it. Heard of it? Yeah, I would I've recommend it. it. It's a pretty good movie. Um, <clears throat> he's like this sad sack guy who's like only thing that he does is he he like he's like a toll booth operator i think and he spends like all night he like works like the night shift he spends all night coming up with these like hot takes to call into the sports talk show about the giants and he'll like you know like basically like he's, God, he's calling into basically like this. the fan and is gonna like yeah. and and he has like you know like the way that people always call in and have their like set like two minute rants like he has like all that shit set to go and then it's like life kind of unravels not that it matters in the slightest but are we talking about the football giants or the baseball giants football giants football giants yeah, it, it, it matters. It would be a little weird. Well, yeah, I guess I never said New York sports talk radio, but he's calling into New York sports talk radio. Anyway, so we got a couple. Tell us if we have any more. <laughs> it's a rich vein to mine. <laughs> it truly is. I don't want to hear anything else. If you have opinions about the Suicide Squad, keep them to yourself. Just tell me about sports talk radio. Movies. Or give me kudos for my Just Cats League. Okay, fine. Joke. Two things. 
two things. <laughs> I like that joke. I thought that was like a really good joke. I really feel like there were shows like early HBO shows. Was that show Arliss? Was that Sports Talk Radio? Or was that Sports Agent? Uh, Sports Jeez, Agent. Willie, right? I had us out of the show and you sucked us back in. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> <laughs>